Do you know that fully one-third of the content of the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Matthew and Luke have the most parables, one-third of those Gospels are taken up with parables. That's how many stories Jesus told. I think intuitively we know the stories have an impact. When I was, uh, my kids were uh, growing up, we have five children, and one of the bedtime routines that we would have is that I would go in the room and Mary would say, hey, can you tell them a story before they go to bed? Um, and you'll see why she stopped asking that sometimes. But, uh, uh, but anyhow, so I'd go and the lights would be off, I'd be on the floor and I'd say, hey, so let me tell you a story. Sometimes I would tell them about one of my childhood adventures. Sometimes I would make something up like this one. I'd say, kids, one night, hot summer night, there was a little boy named Johnny. And Johnny's friend Alex said, hey, Johnny, guess what I found? My dad's lighter. Do you want to make a fire with me? So they went out behind the garage, and behind the garage, they found some paper and sticks and wood, and, and they tried three times, and finally the lighter lit, and they lit the papers, and then the sticks started on fire in the wood, but that's not all that started on fire. You know what else started on fire? The garage started on fire. <laughs> and the cars were in the garage, and their bikes, and the baseball gloves, and, and all of a sudden, the fire was beyond their control, and they didn't know what to do. <laughs> I tell them how the fire trucks came and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and then I'd ask them, I'd say, so kids, what should Johnny have done when Alex asked him if he wanted to make a fire? No, no, he should have said no. And that just seemed to have a lot more power than saying, hey, kids, fire can be dangerous. Don't try that, all right? <laughs> the problem is that Mary would go, you're not helping the kids to fall asleep. <laughs> like they're still nervous that Johnny is outside behind our house and our house is going to burn down tonight. And so I had to learn to tone down the stories a little bit. But the kids still talk about it. I'd always finish up and I'd go, and that's the end of the story. And they'd always go, Dad, can you tell us just what? One more, just one more story, Dad. And we'd tell them one more story. And, and the kids still talk about some of those stories that, that I would tell because stories have a way of impressing something on our hearts that just didactic teaching, making a statement of a principle doesn't quite have. And Jesus knew this. So Jesus, in so much of what he taught us about his kingdom, about what it means to live life under his leadership, he told those through parables. And so I, I want us to look at one of those stories that he told today. And, and the story that he tells, that we're going to look at today, he's telling a crowd of people. And in the story, he talks about the difference between living a meaningless life and a meaning-filled life. A meaningless, having a life where the, you come to the end of your life and you go, I have great regret, like what has my life counted for? Versus a life where you get to the end and from either the end of your life's perspective or from heaven itself, you look back and you go, wow, wow, God, you did way beyond what I could have ever asked or imagined. And, and the great thing is that by God's grace, it's not, it doesn't matter how you started. You might say, man, I've, I've had, I'm not going to have like that kind of life. I've got a meaningless. You can transfer by God's grace and the power of Jesus Christ at any moment from a meaningless to a meaning-filled life. And I want to look at what Jesus says about that. So let's turn to Luke's historical account of Jesus, Luke chapter 8, third book of the New Testament. And if you don't have a paper Bible, the Bible app on your phone is a great place to turn. Also, there were notes on your way in, and those of you engaging online, uh, you can just go to our website. <clears throat> you see the bulletin, and the notes are right at the top there. And while I'm mentioning you, I just want to say grateful to have, I visited a couple of you in a nursing home, a residential facility this week. One of you, you never get out. 
Um, and, but you engage every week, and I want to say we love you. We're really grateful whether that's you or some of you are on vacation or people watching from around uh, the States or even in other countries. Really glad to have you with us. And to those of you at Olmstead Falls, uh, we love you as well. And the guys at Lorraine Correctional, um, today eight of you are getting baptized. And we have a tradition here at Grace that we cheer on those who get baptized. And so it was a really fun for me to sign the certificates for all of you getting baptized. We're so excited. Can't wait to see pictures. And maybe we'll get a chance if, if we're permitted to show those uh, next week. But uh, congratulations to each one of you. So let's just uh, take a moment to, to look to the Lord before we dig into his word, okay? <clears throat> Lord, thank you for your grace. Uh, thank you that you can change uh, any one of our lives, and it doesn't matter how far we feel from you, uh, Lord, that you can take, or maybe we feel we're caught in the grip of an addiction or some kind of pattern of sin, that, Lord, you can break those bonds. Uh, and so we just invite you by your Spirit, have your way in us today, shape us. Lord, thank you for how you've been doing that. The guys at Lorraine getting baptized today, we, we just, we bless you for what you're doing in them and pray that, that you would uh, just pour out joy into their hearts and, and direct their steps and give them strength as they seek to walk with you. Lord, thank you for Jessica. Uh, my sister is going to be heading back to Senegal, and Lord, we pray that you would give her open doors, great team relationships, uh, fluency in the language. Lord, would you surround her with your protection? We thank you for Alliance International workers who are here this week and pray that you would continue to rejuvenate them, empower them for the work to which you've called them. And Lord, I've been moved. So many people here who are volunteering, Beulah on the Road Camp, uh, the seminar this week to host so many missionaries, those who went to the Life Conference. And Lord, a lot of people here just making an impact in their workplaces, neighborhoods, their wherever they go in the community, just saying, I want to treat people. I want to see them the way Jesus sees them and love them the way he loves them. So, Lord, thank you for the impact that you're making through so many here. So we invite you to shape our hearts now as we look into your word. Uh, may we realize that this story includes us, that we're the characters in the story of Jesus you told, and, and help us to engage in that way. In your name we pray. Amen. So one sunny, sunny afternoon, uh, Jesus is on this hillside, and he's teaching, and there's a crowd of people. And, and they're interested to hear what this 30-something-year-old rabbi, teacher, has to say. And so let's listen into the story he tells here in Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 4. It says, while a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow a seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky soil, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Like he wanted us to listen to what he was saying. Well, the first listeners had an advantage in this way. 
almost every single one of them was engaged in farming in some way. Like that was subsistence living in that, in that day. And so even while Jesus was teaching, there may have been a farmer, you know, uh, close by who was over there and he was taking seed and he's just, you know, scattering it and our facility team's going to love me for this. And, uh, and he's scattering seed. And so Jesus maybe looks over to me and goes, hey, there was a farmer. I want to tell you about this story about this farmer. And so he tells them, and these people survive by raising crops. But it's not hard for to us to understand that when he says there are different kinds of soil that represent all of our hearts, that all of us are represented by one of these four. What's common to all of them is that they each receive the same seed. What's different, dramatically different, are the results. The first three... Uh, all wind up in the same place. There's no crop. Like there's, there's zero. There's, 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 there's no ear of corn. There's no tomato. There's no cucumber. Whatever it is, they're growing. There's, there's nothing. There's no result from their existence. And you can sort of get an indication of what Jesus is saying about some people's lives. The last one, however, which gets the same seed, the same seed, has this incredible yield. In fact, Jesus says a hundred times more than what was sown. That's what he says in verse 8. So that's the story. Four soils, same seed, different results. No impact for the first three, dramatic impact for the four. So you can see where Jesus is going. He's going to say, some people live their lives and there's no impact from their lives. In other words, you look back and you go, what was the meaning? What was, the, what, what was my life all about? And there are other people whose lives have this dramatic impact a hundred times more than what they could have ever imagined. Now, I'm glad the disciples didn't just nod their heads and go, oh, yep, got that one, totally understand it. They're like, uh, hey, Jesus, like we get the farming thing, but how does that like apply to our lives? And Jesus tells him in verse 9, or they ask in verse 9, and in verse 11, Jesus tells them this. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Would you say that last phrase with me? You ready? The seed is the word of God. One more time. The seed is the word of God. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, this seed here is like this right here. And, and, and if he were to if, ask you, like, how so? How do you think this is like this? What would you say? There's life in the seed, right? There's something that if this seed finds the right place to rest there can be dramatic impact to the extent that this little bottle of seed can fill up acres of impact. And in the same way, it says this about the Bible. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, the word of God is, what does it say? Living and active. There's something about God's word is the seed. There's something about if this word finds its place, just like this seed, in a heart that's receptive, that there can be dramatic impact. And so let's see what Jesus says. All of them receive the same seed. There's life in the seed. He says the seed is the word of God. The difference is this. We all are one of four kinds of soil. First one. Look at all four of these, and all, all of us fit in one of these. The first soil you have is hard as a rock. Verse 12, here's what it says. Jesus explains this parable. He says, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart. Who takes away the word from their hearts? The devil. So that they may not believe and be saved. 
they had soil that was about like this right here. This is a piece of concrete I found in the back parking lot that had fallen off a, you know, and this is the kind of stuff you walk on, right? It's, it's, and, and Jesus is saying some people's hearts are as hard as this. In fact, it might be you. And I'm really glad you're here. You said, I came along because my significant other dragged me or you're watching online because you're in the living room and they have a TV on or something like that. But, or you, maybe you know someone like this. Like when you talk about Jesus, it's like, there's like no response. There's just like, it's like spiritual flatline. And uh, the good news, you don't, you don't have to stay here. But you know what happens? You know, you know why a lot of people are here? Who, who's responsible for stealing the word? The, the devil. Here's what happens. The, the devil, you know, you, the person like this will hear the word and the devil will, will just start spitting out lies. Like we, we don't hear the devil say it, but he'll go, you know, the Bible's like full of contradictions, don't you? And, um, and do you think you can actually reconcile faith and, and science? Like they're opposed to each other. Or how can there be a loving God in all the suffering in the world? And the devil sends these lies, these, these lies. Or maybe he sends a lie of like, even if it is true, your life is so far gone, there's no way you can change. I mean, let's just be real, right? Look at you, you're a joke. And the devil steals away the seed. And before the seed can even penetrate the soil, the birds come and have this yummy bird dinner and they steal the seed away. So Jesus says that's one kind of heart. The soil is hard and there's no crop because the seed doesn't even start to germinate. That's one kind of soil. He goes on, he talks about a second kind of soil here that has affected a number of my friends. Verse 13, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with, with what? With joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for how long? A while. But in a time of testing, they fall away. Notice the difference um, from the first kind of soil. This person right here, they drink up the word, the seed, like a sponge. Like they hear it and they're like, this is great, man. I, Mary and I have this friend in, uh, out of state. I'll call her Judy. And uh, Judy uh, heard the word of God and she responded. And she was really excited about her faith and she's moving along. But, but um, a time of testing came. She found a lump and she was like, I got to go to the doctor, meets with the oncologist, all that kind of stuff, has all of us praying. She's like, I know God's got this and I'm going to get a, it's going to be like, it's gone. There's nothing. It's a cyst or whatever. And she goes in and the doctor sits her down and says, hey, Judy, you know, we looked at the test and, and we got some, got some tough news, you know, that this cancer has spread a couple lymph nodes and, and she was rocked. She was rocked. Um. To the extent, you know, she wrote me a note and she said, hey, Pastor Jonathan, I, I, uh, I, don't, think, I, don't, think I, can, I don't think I can go on. Like, I, I can't trust a God who would allow something like that in my life. And when a time of testing came, her, it was over. Jesus says, they have shallow soil. That's not to trivialize Judy's situation or yours. 
For you, it may be that you had a relationship that, uh, you know, marriage or something that fell apart. You had a child that's been through a horrific situation or there's a chronic illness. For some of you, maybe it's disillusionment with the church. You're so wounded by stuff you've seen maybe growing up, you know, and you just go, I, I, don't, I don't think I can do it. Time of testing comes and you say, I just, and that's not to trivialize what Judy or other people have been through. But can I say this? To all of the lies that the enemy sends us either here about science and faith or about, or about suffering, and we start to see in the word of God, it says, Jesus himself said, you should expect suffering. Like, you, you live in a broken world. It's not till I come back that you'll be in a home where there's no more mourning or sickness or crying or pain. But until then... Peter says, don't be surprised when you suffer. And so we're going to suffer. There's going to be, and we've seen people who have gone through tough times, and instead of drifting away from their faith, they say, where else can I turn? Like Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. How could I go through this without you? And so a person in this situation, when they go through a time of testing, they have a choice. Some drift away like Judy and say, I just, you know, I'm, I'm done. My faith. Other people lean in. And they become a different kind of plant over here. So you have these two kind, and, and then Jesus moves on to a third kind of soil. And, and let me just say, on these first two right here again, if you say one of those describes mine, I, I guess my life's not going to have any impact. No, no I've, I've got good news. Just hang on one second. More on that in a few minutes. Third kind of soil. This third kind of soil also has upfront success. It says in verse 14, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. So all of them hear the word, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries and what else? Riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. I wonder if we could say this is a uniquely, like, American kind of, like, this is where a lot of us struggle. We live in, if you live in the States, you live, you're among the 5% of the, the top 5% of the richest people in the world. You might go, I'm not, not me. If you visit other places around the world, you go, okay, I've got a roof over my head and food and you know, I, I, I have, yeah, I have a lot more than other people around me. And Jesus says, so when, when, we're, when we're blessed, um, here's what happens, that, that he says it gets crowded, the word gets crowded out. You see this little green one in here? Um, it's, it's having a hard time here. Why? It's being choked. These people right here, it's not that they go, nope, don't believe anymore. They still believe. They might go to church every week. But their life with Jesus gets squeezed, crowded right to the side, the periphery of their life. Because of why? Because of the worries and the pleasures and the riches of this world. And they have so much else going on that Jesus becomes sort of an afterthought in their life. And friends, you know what happens? Even if they never deny their faith or walk away, Jesus says the impact is the same as these ones. Essentially, they miss out 
on all that he intended for their life because they've allowed their relationship with him to be squeezed out to the side and they're crowded out of, and a Sunday morning only Christianity is really not a Christianity at all. Being a true follower of Christ means that your relationship with Jesus is at the center of every aspect of who you are. And so he says, here's what happens to these folks. They, they allow the good things of this life, maybe not the suffering, but the good stuff, to begin to choke out the life that they had with, with Christ. Well, Jesus ends on a high note. And, uh, and I'm so thankful that when he talks about the fourth kind of soil, he's talking about many of you and, and those of you engaging online. And, this is, and if you're not here, if you're not at the fourth kind of soil, you can be. That's the good news. So let's see what he says in verse 15. He says, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word and do what? Retain it and by persevering produce a crop. Isn't that the kind of person you want to be? A noble and a good heart. In other words, a soft heart that you take time to, to hear the word. You, you let it work its way in your life. Sort of like seed, the seed of God's word comes in and it, and it begins to do something in your life because you not only hear it, they all hear it, but you retain it and it begins to have impact in, in your life. Uh, by the way, if you don't have, you're like, I don't, I don't know where to begin. Like, I, I should probably start reading my Bible is what you're saying. I'd be like, yes, the seed of the word. The seed is the word of God. So where do you start? You're going to see a little uh, icon on the screen here. We're doing this uh, Bible reading guide called uh, One Story That Points to Jesus. And, and, and that is just a great plan. If you guys want to put that up there. And, uh, but that's something that so many hundreds of people have been going through at Grace this year. And it's just been a, a great way to grow. Uh, now, I want to just focus on uh, five last words that Jesus says in the verse right there. He says, who by persevering produce a crop. By persevering. So here's what, this is the good soil right here. And what he's saying is this, that you don't have to be the most gifted person up front. You're like, I can never be on a platform and speak or anything like that. Or I don't, I'm not a worship team person. Or He says, by persevering. In times of suffering that you go, I'm going to hold on. When, when you have success in life, you get another promotion, you're making more money, that you still say, oh, those things are not going to become to define who I am. Jesus Christ is going to be at the center of my life. Even in my success, and you have good soil, and by persevering, persevering um, in obedience to him, that you, the word comes into your life, and you just keep on saying yes to Jesus. Yes, Holy Spirit, whatever you call me to do, yes, and, and you, you allow that to happen. Maybe it's you speak words of encouragement to people, and you never know the change that you make the trajectory in someone's life. Some of you volunteered at Beulah on the Road, the camp, and, and you made an impact on a second grader's life, and that person is going to look back 50 years from now and say, when I was in second grade, I gave my life to Jesus, and there was this counselor, this person who helped with the food, you know, whatever, and they... Some of you, it's, it's your, you, you pray and you, you give and you never know the impact of those things because they're behind the scenes and you're going to get to heaven one day and the Lord's going to say, can I just show you by persevering how you, you produced a crop a hundredfold more than you could have ever imagined. You guys who are at Lorraine Correctional, 
It's not just who you are in chapel, but in the yard and in the cell block. You're going, I want to be a guy that says yes to Jesus. And strength for me is going to be having integrity and walking with him and that he's the most important relationship I have in my life. That's true for all of us, right? And when we have that kind of life, you know what happens? You start to get soil like this right here. And you say, when the word gets into this kind of soil, it can penetrate and, and begin to, when my heart is soft like this, I, I hear the word, I retain it. I say no to sin and temptation. I say yes to Jesus. When I mess up, I, ask, I, I, I confess and I ask his forgiveness and, and I say, Lord, root that out of my heart. And when we do that, he says, by enduring, by persevering, produce a crop that can be a hundredfold. So here's what I want to ask you. There's four kinds of soil here. It might be hard as a rock. It, 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 it can be that it's shallow, starts off great, but then gets crowded out by suffering and testing. It might be snuffed out by success and all this world has to offer. And then, so if, if one of these would represent where you are right now, which one would you say? In your notes, there's a little chart. And, uh, and I wonder if with a pencil that you could just check and say, this is probably where it is for me right now. Uh, if I'm being honest, this is where. And why pencil? Because you don't have to stay there. That's the grace of Jesus. You don't have to stay here or here. Your heart can be hard as a rock right now. And when you just say, Jesus, my heart is like as hard as a rock. I'll be honest, like I, I don't have like any desire for you. I, 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 don't, I have so many doubts, and, but Lord, I, I want to open my heart to you. He'll come in and he'll begin to soften your heart or he'll help you as you go through suffering or he'll help you to keep your priorities when, when riches and success or whatever else comes your way so that your life, when you look back, you'll say, I didn't think my life had that much impact, but the Lord will say, you know what I did? Even after you died, the lives you touched, it was more than 100 times what you could have imagined. Friends, this is the secret to having a life of meaning and impact is by being able to say, Lord, it all starts in my heart. I want my heart to be soft before you, receptive. How does that happen? You know, the bad news of these three right here is if we stay right here, the Bible is very clear. You read the book of Hebrews, it says, if we ignore, if we drift away, that we have a future ahead of us that's not, that's not good. Uh, there's going to be a penalty. Not to mention the fact we look back and go, what did my life count for? I, ha I had a lot, but what did I really achieve? But the good news is this, that, that you don't have to stay where you are, that you can come to the place and you can say, God, would you rototill my heart? Sometimes it hurts, right? Some of you rototill soil, and you know you're chopping all that soil up. How does it happen? In my notes, I list a few different ways. I'm just going to mention one. One of those is suffering. When suffering or crises come into your life, you just say, God, instead of walking away from you, what do you want to do in my life? Romans 5, it, has, it almost seems like an oxymoron. Suffering produces maybe pain, discomfort, ugliness. But Paul says, no, suffering produces growth in your life if we're willing to let it. If we want to have soil like this, we say, God, when I go through suffering, I'm going to trust you. And I want you to make me more the person you want me to be. Let me tell you one story in closing. There was a, this past Wednesday night, we had 75 missionaries who were here, a few hundred of you, and we had this amazing, I hope to send you the, 
the uh, service soon on video via our church-wide email, but uh, we had worship and six testimonies that were super compelling uh, from missionaries from around the world. One of them was a couple from Papua, Indonesia, Todd Adams. Todd gets up, speaking over here, and he says, uh, three and a half years ago on October 4th, 2018, it's 2 a.m. in the morning, he said, I got a phone call that every parent dreads to receive. I got a call that awakened me, and he said, and I, I, I heard the crushing news that our daughter Emily, 21 years old, a junior in college who had been away, had been in an accident that night, and she was killed instantly. Some of you have been there. What, what do you do? It's hard to even get up in the morning to put one foot in front of the other, and you just say, I, I gotta, and we have a choice. We can either be like this person right here and go, I'm, I'm done. I, I, how can I trust a God who allows something like that to happen? Or you can say, like Peter, Lord, to whom else can we turn? You have the words of eternal life. And Todd and Debbie said, when you go through suffering, what we learned was don't run away from God, run into him. Don't run away from Jesus. Run into Jesus. And he said, we ran into Jesus, and we found his grace to be more than we could have ever anticipated in our crushing pain. Today, Todd and Debbie are going to be heading back to Papua, Indonesia, making an impact with their lives among an underserved people group. And someday when they stand before God, with Emily at their side. They're going to have this amazing reunion. They're going to receive a crown of life from Jesus, and he's going to say, I want you to look and to see the impact of your life. 100 times what you could have ever anticipated. It all comes back to the heart. I wonder if you'd pray with me right now and just say, Lord, I want that kind of heart. Would you pray and let's ask him to do that in us? Holy Spirit of God, we invite you to have your way in us today. Plow the soil of my heart, Lord. Make it soft. Would you just respond to him in this moment? Just pray that prayer silently. Lord, soften the soil of my heart. Maybe I've allowed riches or the things of this world to crowd it out. Maybe I'm plagued with doubts and the lies of the enemy. But Lord, I want my soil to be soft, that your word, I'll hear it, I'll retain it, and by persevering with you, I'll see a crop a hundred times, maybe more than what I could have ever anticipated. So Lord, whatever you can do with me, I'm all yours. Come fill me with your spirit and make an impact through my life, I pray. For your sake and for the sake of people who need to see what your grace can do, I pray. And everyone who agreed and wants it to be so said, amen, amen.